All right, good morning. Well, I'm not Randy, as you, as you may well know, uh, but um, my name's Marcus, and many of you probably already know that, but I am glad to be with you this morning. Uh, Randy talked to me earlier this week and uh, was slowly but surely losing his voice, and uh, if you've talked to him this morning, it's starting to come back just a little bit, but uh, he was losing his voice this week, and we decided it would be a good time for me to step in and share the word with you this morning, and I am so very thankful to be able to do that. It already worked out for me because in Bartlett this morning, we had Brother John who was scheduled uh, to do the preaching out there, so I was already free, and so things really worked out for us to be uh, together this morning, so I'm so thankful to be with you. If you have a copy of God's Word, go ahead and open your Bibles to Psalm 145 this morning. We're taking a break from the book of Acts, doing something a little bit different this morning. And um, just kind of, it's kind of refreshing to be honest with you sometimes just to take a, a topical sermon and, and be able to share it with you. So if you need a copy of God's Word, we've got some Bibles going around uh, the room today. Just raise your hand and we'll be sure to get you one. But you, as you're finding Psalm 145, a couple of things uh, I wanted to share with you real, real briefly. Um, we were able this morning to recognize our founding pastor, Brother John Latimer. Many of you guys, I'm sure, know Brother John. And... Uh, in October of 1968, Brother John surrendered his life to ministry and started preaching at his first church. In November of 1968, he married his wife, Linda. So this fall marks the 50th year anniversary for Brother John being in ministry and being married. So he has a wedding anniversary right around the corner, and he's been in the ministry now for 50 years. I don't know if you guys understand, uh, number one, staying married for 50 years is a blessing, and, and uh, what a testimony of God's faithfulness in their, in their relationship, and also just being in the ministry for 50 years. Uh, I've only been in the ministry now for about 10, and, uh, and I know that as long as God allows me to continue to do what I'm doing, I know I hopefully will make 50 years, but I'm going to tell you guys, that is the exception. Most, uh, many, many pastors, many ministers do not make it. Uh, they fall out, they drop out, they get discouraged. Um, but to see a man who's been in the ministry that long, is, it is such a blessing. So I want to encourage you, as uh, Brother John founded this church back in the 80s, and here we are in Arlington in 2018, still going strong. I want to encourage you, uh, be sure to shoot him a message, maybe on Facebook, send him an email, shoot him a text message. Just encourage him and show your love and appreciation for him and his wife, Linda, in this special time of their lives. And so I just wanted to make sure you guys knew about that. So um, here we are, Psalm 145 this morning. And so being that we just celebrated Thanksgiving, which is my favorite holiday, I hope and, I hope and pray all of you enjoyed your holiday week and had some time with friends and family this week. And I'm sure many of you woke up like me this morning and realized that somehow or another my pants are a little bit smaller than I expected them to be. I had to squeeze into my pants a little bit this morning, and so that, those ho- that holiday food is definitely weighing heavy on me. So how many of you have a, a resolution how to get into the gym after the holidays, right? I know I do. <laughs> like, man, i got to go hit the gym. Uh, some of you are shaking your heads like, nah, I'm, I'm giving up. So, um, But anyway, we're, we're excited about um, Thanksgiving holidays. It's always my favorite time of the year, and I thought it would be very appropriate to bring a message with you for you this morning about just simply giving thanks to God. Did you know that we can bless God? Now, we always think about our relationship with God in terms of Him doing the blessing, right? God, bless us. Bless us this day. Thank you for your blessings, God. All of the many blessings that God pours out into our lives. But do you know that we can bless Him? 
And one of the ways that we bless God is simply through counting our blessings. Through, through acknowledging to God, giving thanks to Him for who He is, for what He's done, um, all of the things that He does for us on a, on a consistent daily basis, all the things He's already done for us and the things He's promised to do for us. That's really basically what this entire message is about this morning, is us learning how to bless God simply through counting our blessings. You know, one of the things about what I think heaven will be so wonderful, one of the reasons I believe heaven will be so wonderful is because there will really be no end to our praise and our gratitude toward God. You see, there's no end to God, to blessing God, to praising God, to worshiping God, because there is no end to God. Nothing about heaven will be mundane, because God will be there, and we will be able to sing of His praises and give, and give glory to His name for all of eternity, and that will never grow old because there is no end to the depths of the blessings of God and His nature and His character. Now, if you're, in, if you're familiar with the word theology, I want to talk to you real quickly about this idea and this concept of theology. The word theology means the study of the nature of God, okay? And that's basically what I want to do with you this morning. I want to take you through just a very brief summary of the study of the nature and the character of God. When I was in seminary school, one of my favorite classes was called Systematic Theology. And it was a book about this thick, and it just broke down every different topic that you could imagine that when it comes to who God is, um, the, the doctrine of salvation, the doctrine of the church, the doctrine of man. I mean, it just goes into all of these different teachings and doctrines. But my favorite part of Systematic Theology was studying the nature and the character of of God. And I, I really want to be able to just walk you through that this morning as we study the nature and the character of God together. And I hope and pray that through this, it will just completely elevate and raise your understanding and your um, acknowledgement of who God is and what he has done for us. So Psalm 145, we're going to jump off here this morning and I'm going to do my best to get through this study of theology, this understanding of who God is and his nature. But I thought it would be fitting this morning. We don't do a whole lot of this, at least I haven't recently. But sometimes I think it's good just to read the public reading of Scripture. And so if you have your copy of your Bible and you're looking with me here at Psalm 145, this is a Psalm of David. And, and really this Psalm in and of itself is a sermon. We could just read it and contemplate on it and meditate on it and pray it back to God. And I think we would be full this morning. But I don't want to just jump off here with Psalm 145 and then give us kind of some context for which we can go in and looking into the nature and character of God. So Psalm 145, verse 1. It's a psalm of David, a song of praise. He says, I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on the wondrous works I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding. In steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. 
Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all His words, in all His words, in kind, in all of His works. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who bow down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all His ways and kind in all of His works. The Lord is near to all who call on Him. To all who call on Him in truth, He fulfills the desire of those who fear Him, and He hears the cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love Him, and all the wicked He will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord, and let all flesh bless His holy name forever and ever. What, a, what an amazing psalm. There's a, another verse in Romans 1 that I want to share before we look at these four Very simple points this morning. Paul, in writing to the church in Rome, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, the gospel, because it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. And then he says, for the righteousness has been revealed, the righteousness that is by faith. And he says, from faith to faith, or really from beginning to end, the just shall live by what? By faith. That's, that's the call of the gospel call. That's the, the gospel message from beginning to end. Every saint who's ever believed, who's ever been in right relationship with God, had to get there through faith. What's interesting is that when you look at Old Testament saints, their faith was just looking forward to what was to come. When you look at uh, the, the patriarchs and people like David and the prophets and Abraham, you have Moses and all the prophets, they had faith in the one true God and they had faith in the coming Messiah, the coming one who was to come and take away the sins of the world, the, the Savior of the world, the Messiah, the Christ. They were looking forward to His coming even though they did not live in the flesh to see His coming. They had that unique generation of people who were alive, the disciples and that generation who were alive to witness the events of Jesus of Nazareth and his life and his death and his resurrection. And so they, they had a unique um, opportunity, privilege, to see with their own eyes the Messiah in the flesh. What, a, what an awesome opportunity that they had. Even though many of the Jewish people rejected Jesus during that time, their own nation rejected their Savior from a, a, um, from a corporate perspective. But then you, you go on past the cross, and now here we are as the church, and we're looking what? We're looking back. See, I wasn't alive when Jesus walked the earth, was crucified, but we're living um, in testimonies of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so we're putting our faith in the one who came, and so we're looking back on that faith. So it's from faith to faith. Everybody who comes to be in right relationship with God enters into that relationship by faith in the one true God, in the, in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior. And so I want you to think about that for just a second because that's what we're going to walk through. And I'm just going to real briefly go ahead and give you the four points of my sermon so that we can kind of spend a little bit more time on them as we walk through them. The first one is that we're thanking you, Lord. We thank the God for who you are. The first point is simply this. We, we come to the Lord. We thank you, Lord, for who you are. The first thing we must establish in understanding a, a, a sermon of gratitude is we understand that God is worthy to be praised simply and ultimately for who He is, nothing more. This is something I think we fail to recognize sometimes as believers. We should be thankful to God simply for who He is. 
We can bless God every single day, acknowledging his greatness and thanking him for who he is because he is our God and our king. That's what David says in Psalm 145. He says, I will praise you, my God and king. Bless your name forever. Every day I'll bless you. I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable, period. You see, here's the thing that we need to recognize. If God were never have acted on our behalf or done anything at all for us, He still would be worthy to be praised, and he would be worthy to receive all thanks. I want you all to think about that for just a second. Is that how we come to God? Do we come to God simply for what he's done for us? Do we come to God simply because we want something from him, or we want him to act on our behalf? Or do we simply come to God and give him praise and give him thanks only because of who he is in nature? Well, you, say, you may say, well, well, who is God in nature? And this is where we get into a little bit of theology this morning. I'm just going to go through a list. I'm going to share briefly a little bit about the nature of God. And the more that we understand the nature of God, the more that we have a bigger view of God, the more we learn to love him, the more we learn to fear and respect him, the more we learn to be devoted to him. So let me share a couple of these attributes of God this morning that will help us understand why God is worthy to be praised just simply for who he is. The first one is that God is the one and only true and living God, right? He is the only God. So for that reason alone, he's greatly to be praised for who he is. Jeremiah says, the Lord is the true God. He is the living God. He is the everlasting king. Another attribute of God is that he is holy. What does that mean? You see, God is not like us. God is completely separate. He is set apart. And so that being holy means that he is completely and totally righteous. He is pure. He is just. He is true. He hates evil. He hates to look upon sin. That is the nature of God. The Lord's holiness means that he is pure, righteous, just, and he cannot look upon sin. And he must, he must punish sin and evil. See, we can worship God and praise Him and thank Him simply because He is holy. He is also the Creator, which means He is is completely all-powerful. He is creative. He is beautiful. He is great. He is awesome. Isaiah says it this way, Have you not known and have you not heard the Lord is the everlasting God, Creator of the ends of the earth? He does not grow faint or weary, and His understanding is unsearchable. Number uh, The next one is that God is all-knowing and He's all-wise. So God will never make a mistake and never chooses wrongly. See, this is part of who he is in his nature. He's omniscient. That means that he knows everything. And this is something about God that will really begin to uh, blow me away when I think about he knows me better than I know myself. He knows every thought that I think. He knows every sinful desire of my heart. He knows every bad thing that I've ever done. And in spite of this, he still chooses to love me. That's something about God that we have to wrap our minds around, that he knows everything. He is all-wise, he is omniscient, he's all-knowing, and yet he still makes a choice to love you and me in spite of who we are and what we've done. Let me give you a few more. God is un- he's, e- he's eternal and he's unchanging. Listen to what the, the uh, word of the Lord says in Psalm 92. Before the mountains were formed and before you formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. It's important that we understand that God is eternal, but he's also unchanging. That means he's the same yesterday, today, and, and forever. It's important that we can trust God. You see, when we understand his nature, 
then we learn to trust Him. That's why it's important that there's times that we take a step back and just begin to look at who God is in His nature, and then we can learn to trust Him because we can believe that what He has said and what He has promised to do, He will always do and He will always keep His promises, and His nature never changes. Let me give you just a couple more about loving and praising God for who He is. He is good, He is loving, He is merciful. We saw this here in Psalm 145. He's gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. He is sovereign over all things. What does it mean to be sovereign? You see in Psalm 47 it says this, The Most High is to be feared. He is the great King over all the earth. God reigns over the nations and sits on His holy throne. It means that God is in control. Even when we don't realize it and we don't think that he's in control, we can trust his nature that, yes, he is sovereign. He is ruling. He is reigning. He is in control. The last couple are this. He is a personal God. You see, we could also think about God as being holy and being separate from his creation, but we also know God to be a personal God who entered into his creation so that we might have relationship with him. Did you ever think about this for just a second? If God had not revealed himself to us in a personal way, how would we ever have a relationship with him? We would not be able to have a relationship with God had he not initiated relationship by pursuing us and making himself known, making himself personal to us. That's what the Christmas story is all about. We're getting ready for Christmas and preparing our hearts to celebrate the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ into the world. That's what makes it so special is that the the holy God of the universe, the creator of all, has made himself personal by entering into his creation so that we might have a relationship with him. And then, all, and then lastly, he is an all-sufficient God. Basically, he is all that we need. Somebody once said that when you realize that God is all that you have, you come to realize that God is all that you really what? It's all that you really need. I don't know if any of you have ever been to that point in your life where maybe you were just completely brought to the end of yourself and you realize, you know what, God, you're all I have right now. But there's something very satisfying and very... Um, overwhelming about that moment because you realize what you know what that's fine because you're really all that I need so everything that we have everything that we need is all wrapped up into this one guy so so just kind of thinking about who God is and again we could go on and on and on about the attributes of God there's no way this is an exhaustive list there's no way we could cover everything about God but these are just some of the high points to help us kind of begin to think about this is who you are, God, and simply because of who you are, holy and just and gracious and merciful and personal and sovereign, that you are king over all of the earth. You are worthy to be praised. And see, if God had not acted on our behalf, not one time, he still is worthy to be praised. Oh, but there's so much more, right? So this is just praising God for who you are, Lord. But we also thank you, Lord, for what you have already Done. Let's think about some of the things, some of these great works that David was talking about in Psalm 145. What are some of the things that God has already done? Well, let's just start with creation for just a second. I love studying the creation. The Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. When you step at a, when you come to the seashore or the ocean and you're able to stand there and just look at the magnitude of the waves and looking at the ocean and the horizon before you on a, on an afternoon when the sun is setting and you just sit there and behold the beauty of God's creation or maybe you're in the mountains and you see the, the, the majesty of the mountains ahead of you and you can just sit there and stand and look at that and it's amazing how I love being out in nature but that always and only points us to the one who created it all. 
If we can be just if we can be stopped in our tracks at a sunset, think about what it's going to be like to be in the presence of the one who made the sunset, who paints the sunset every single night. You see, we can thank God for just simply creating the heavens and the earth. The Bible says, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God and that what that which is seen was not made out of the things which are visible. Listen, he just simply spoke it and it came to be. God opened his mouth. All he had to do was utter the word and everything came to be just as it is around us. And we can praise him through just looking and observing and, and acknowledging the glory of God that we see all around us in the creation. But let's think about this. He also is the God of our provision. Paul says it, I mean, excuse me, David says it right here. We've been talking about Paul so much in the book of Acts. David says it right here um, in, in Psalm 145. Let me see if I can find it real quick. He says, you open your hand, you satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways. Um, and so we understand that when you wake up, you go get food out of your refrigerator, you go to the store to buy groceries, or you plant a garden and you raise your own crops or whatever it may be, or you're counting on the rain to supply the rain that's necessary for us to be able to grow food so that we can eat and live. All of that goes back to God. And sometimes we just take these things for granted. I think that's part of why Jesus was teaching us to pray. Give us this day our what? Our daily bread. We, we take so many of these things for granted because we live in a nation of abundance and we can just, we have food all around us and we have so much excess of everything. But sometimes we take for granted that God is the provider of everything that we need. He meets the basic needs of all men. Now listen, this is for the unbeliever and the believer. The scriptures tell us that God causes the sun to shine to rise upon the good and the wicked. He causes the rain to fall for the evil and the good. And so God is the basic provider of everything that we need. He even provides the, the very family relationships that we have. Thinking about God creating marriage and then he giving us children to celebrate life and for us to continue to um, carry on his, his faithfulness from generation to generation. One of the greatest blessings of Thanksgiving is for us to get together with our families. For us to be able to spend time with our, our husband, our wife, our children, our grandchildren, our, our parents, and all of those things. And that's what's so special about God because he gave us a family to love. So he's the God of creation. He's the God of provision. He's the God of revelation. God has given us a way for us to know him. Now, you can look at the beautiful sun, sunrise, you can look at the beautiful sunset, and you can acknowledge there must be a God. Somebody had to create this to make it all possible, but left that left unto itself, that's not enough for, for us to know who God is personally. So God took it a step further. He came and entered into time. He entered into space and time in the person of Jesus Christ. And so now we have a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ, and also through the revealed Word of God. He gave us His Word so that we could know Him. This is what God has done for us. Listen, guys, this is the most precious gift that you have. It's the Word of God. It's, this tells you who God is. This tells you what God has done. And this tells you what God is doing and what He was promised to do. And so this is how we have and carry on our relationship with the Lord. We would not be able to know God without His revelation. I'm going to go a little bit further. He is also the God of redemption. So let's think about it. He's the God of creation. He's the God of provision. 
He meets all of our needs. He's the God of revelation. He's made Himself known to us. He is the God of redemption. That's what the gospel is all about. Then we think about the gospel story. We think about what Jesus Christ was willing to do for you and me in that while we were still sinners. Isn't that what the, the scripture says? In that while we were still sinners, lost in our sin, dead in our trespasses and sin, God demonstrates his love toward us in that Christ died for us when we were in our worst condition. This beautiful story of redemption, how the one true living God has been on mission from the very beginning to redeem people out of every nation, to save us from our sins, to bring us into right relationship with himself, to give us new life, to give us new hope, to give us purpose, to um, call people into relationship through his son, Jesus Christ. What a wonderful gift that God has given us in simply understanding redemption. And this was the plan that he had in place before the foundation of the world. Listen to this. It says in Ephesians 1, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. It says this in Acts 2.23, Jesus was delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. He was crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. But none of that took God by surprise because redemption was always plan A. You see, it's not like God put Adam and Eve in the garden and he said, well, I'm hoping they're going to do right. I'm hoping that they're going to be able to carry on my name and be fruitful and multiply and be my representatives on the earth. And, and then, oh, all of a sudden they failed and now God had to come up with another plan. That's not what the scriptures teach. The scriptures teach that even before the foundation and the creation of the world, the cross was in the mind of God. The plan of redemption and salvation was in the mind of God. It was all set up so that God could send his son into the world to save mankind and get all the glory for who he is and what he has done for us. See, redemption was God's perfect plan even before any of us here were ever born. Now think on that for just a minute. See, these are things for which we can give God thanks We should have such abundant, thankful, grateful hearts, hearts full of gratitude simply because of who God is and what he has done by redeeming us. The Bible teaches about us being born again. He gives us new life. The Bible teaches us about being justified. That means we've been been declared not guilty in the sight of God. Think about that for just a second. When you put your trust in Jesus, he said, all of your sins are forgiven and I declare you not guilty. You stand innocent in my sight. Think about that. You're in a position of innocence in God's sight if you are in Christ this morning. And he's given us the gift of reconciliation, bringing us back together with God through his son, Jesus Christ. He's given us the ministry of adoption. Whereas we were strangers and aliens and enemies of God when he saved us, he brought us, he calls us sons and children, daughters and sons of the living God and brings us into his family where we can be part of his eternal family. That's the spirit of adoption. So you can already see, and again, I'm just scratching the surface, right? I mean, we're talking about who God is. He's worthy to be praised. We should thank him simply for who he is. We just scratched the surface of the things that he's already done. Well, let's let's look at now. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing right now. Because all the things that I just shared with you were things that he's done in history past. But now, let's talk about for a Christian, a person living in relationship with Jesus Christ today, what's he doing for you right now? Well, I can give you a few things. 
He's given you and me His Holy Spirit. The presence of God has come to dwell within every believer so that there's nowhere that you can go that He is not what? He's not right there with you. Think about that for just a second. You see, all of these things, if you take God, if you remove God from the mix, if you just just say, okay, if you want to look at this from a naturalistic standpoint, as a matter of fact, if you want to look at life in general, from a purely naturalistic standpoint, if you try to rule out supernatural, you try to rule out God, I want to tell you something. I don't think life is worth living. How is life worth living if you remove God from the equation? There's no purpose. When we look at our, our culture today, and I, you know, I didn't even intend to, to mention this, but guys, we look at the suicide rates of people today, not just adults. I mean, we're talking about young people taking their lives in an astronomical fashion. Th- these are exponential rates are on the rise of suicide. Why are people, so many people taking their lives today? I think the answer is simple. Is that they don't have any hope. They don't have any purpose for living. Maybe they, don't, maybe they feel so terrible about themselves because they've been bullied or, or just mistreated or abused for so long. I know all of those things are real and those are very difficult situations, but the reason that that's there is because when there's no God in the equation, that's the, that's the end. That's the natural conclusion. Well, there's no point in having to go through this life the way that it is. But because God is real, because of who He is, because of what He's done, because of what He's doing in our life right now, guys, we can go through anything knowing that He is what? He is with us. Isn't that what Emmanuel is? I think about Christmas, Emmanuel, God with us. The presence and the personal power of the Holy Spirit dwelling in your heart and your life every single day of your life, knowing that I'm not alone and that God is with me. That's the helper, the Holy Spirit. There's also such purpose in life when you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. What is God? He gives you a purpose Something that Brother Randy and, and I call you Brother Randy. That's something Randy and I have been talking about a lot when you talk about the Great Commission, right? Is that as the Great Commission continues, we have great purpose understanding that as disciples of Jesus Christ, there's a reason for us still being alive today. And it's all tied up and wrapped up in this understanding of our relationship to God through Jesus Christ and our relationship to the world as being His witnesses. I don't think there's any greater purpose that you have in life than to be his witness, to share the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ to all of the world. We have such purpose, understanding this is something God has given you and me right now. God is also taking us through a growing up process that we call sanctification. We talk a lot about sanctification in this life, but sanctification is very simple. It's from when you're born again as a babe in Christ, he's taking you where you are and he wants to make you more like Jesus Christ. It's very simple. It's a simple concept. It's, it's a little bit more difficult to go through. Why? Do you know what one of the primary means of, that God uses in our life to sanctify us, to make us more like Jesus? It's suffering. You want to start getting real a little bit this morning? You start thinking about scriptures that say, give thanks to God in every circumstance. Think about that for just a second. Can we thank God even in our suffering? Even in our times of trial and struggle and difficulty? We should, because God doesn't waste anything in our life. Is that if you're here today and you're in, a, you're in a season of struggle, you're in a season of suffering, you're in a season of testing, it's okay, because God loves you, He's with you, and He's using this in your life to make you more like who? 
more like Jesus Christ because He's the son of sorrow. He's the man of sorrow. He's the one who suffered more than anyone else in this life. So even in our suffering, there's meaning. There's purpose. That's the kind of a God that we have and the kind of a God that we serve. And I'm going to give you one more. Think about your church family this morning. I thank God for my church family. This is just a big old extended family from, from your, your immediate family. But guys, there are no deeper and no, no better relationships, or there shouldn't be, than, than what you have with your church family. You know what? I bet you this would be some of your testimony out here. I have a closer relationship with people in my own church family than I do with even people in my biological family. Can anybody identify with that? I know I can. Why is that? Because God has given you this great gift. He's put you in a church family to grow and to serve and to learn to become his disciples, to to make an impact and a difference right here in this community, right here in Arlington, Tennessee. What a blessing it is to have a church family. Now look, those are just things of who God is, what he has already done, what's he doing in your life right now. Again, this is, this is not an exhaustive list, but I want to finish on just thinking about some of the things that God has promised to do. Because some of the promises of God have yet to be fulfilled. You see, we know the end of the story because the book has been written, the plan has been accomplished, We know how the story ends, but we're living in real time. We don't see things the way God sees them. He sees the beginning from the end. He sees the end from the beginning. God is not bound by time. He knows how it all is going to end. We've been given the book. We've been given the gospel and the message in his word to know how it ends. But I just want to share with you a couple of very important things for us to hold on to because those promises have not yet been fulfilled. Let me just give you a couple. We thank you, Lord, for what you have promised to do. Now remember, part of why we can trust what God has promised to do goes back to what I shared with you at the beginning. Remember who God is in his nature? He doesn't change. That means that his promises are always fulfilled. He will always fulfill his promises because what he has spoken and what he has promised to do, he will always fulfill and carry out. So let me just give you a couple of these as we finish. We thank you, Lord, for what you have promised to do. Let me give you, um, I'm going to give you three of them. God has promised to destroy all enemies. Now you say, well, what are our enemies? Well, I can give you a few. What about the world? The world system? This flesh? Our sinful nature? Anybody still battling that today? I know I am. I'm ready for it to be gone. God has promised to get rid of my sinful nature one day. Did you know that? He's promised to get rid of your sinful nature. What about the devil, our adversary, Satan? All the demonic activity that's going on around us in the world, the the, the invisible activity of of the evil one in this kingdom of darkness. God has promised to destroy Satan and all of the kingdom of darkness in the end, throwing all these things into what was called the lake of fire. He's promised to destroy death once and for all. There will be no more death. We can read it in Revelation. It says there will be no more crying, no more pain, sorrow, no more sin, no more suffering. God has promised to destroy once and for all, all of our enemies. Does that not get you excited? That gets me excited. We can thank Him for that. Even in the midst of it right now, we can say, you know what, Lord? I know what we're going through is real right now, but you've promised to destroy all of our enemies in the future, and I'm trusting in that promise, and I'll be there. I will be there one day, and so will you if you are in Christ Jesus. 
He has promised to make him like, make us like himself. It's called to be glorified. There's the doctrine of glorification. It says, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. We will share in, in some way in the glory of God. Is that we will be like him and appear like him fully and completely when we are finally glorified. And then there will be a final restoration of all things where the kingdom of God will be here on earth. It says God will be our God. We will be his people. We will dwell with him in his kingdom forever and ever and ever. And that is according to his promise. And we're waiting for this new heaven and this new earth where righteousness dwells. Again, guys, there's no way that I could cover everything this morning but think about all the things that I shared with you this morning who God is what he has done what's he doing for you right now in your present day life and then all the things that he's promised to do and you just start contemplating on those things and counting your blessings you know there's really a couple of different people in this world the half glass full and the half glass empty People are a little bit more bent to being negative or they're a little more bent to being positive. Now, all of us have our moments. I understand that. We all can have a bad day. But just in general, what kind of person are you? Just think about that for just a second. Are you, the, are you over the, the, the condemning person, the negative person, always struggling with self-doubt, always struggling with negative thoughts, always struggling with the bad attitude? Listen, if you want to remedy that this morning, all you have to do is take the Word of God, and just begin to thank Him for who He is. Just start thanking Him. How can you be in a negative attitude when you're thanking God for who He is? Just start thanking God for what He has done for you. All the blessings that He's done. All the things that He's given you that you didn't deserve. Can you start thanking God for what He's doing for you right now? Keeping you alive. Giving you meaning and purpose. Putting you a part of a church family. Giving you eternal life through His Son, Jesus Christ. You can begin thanking God for what He's promised to do in the future. I promise you, if you're struggling with negative thoughts, you're struggling with a negative attitude, all you have to do is start counting your blessings in God and your attitude will change just like that. And here's the good news you'll never get to a point where that list is exhausted. We can start today and start praising God for who He is and what He's done for all eternity and we'll never get to the end of it. I hope you understand that. So that's the blessing of being able to bless God through counting our blessings before Him. And I just want to encourage you today. Some of you right now, you may be in, a, in a, just a, a funk. You may be in a really difficult season. You may be in a real negative frame of mind. Take what I've shared with you today and put it into practice. That's really what your application is today. It's simply this. I'll share it with you as our praise team comes up and we're going to move into a time of our Lord's Supper and and Communion. Here's, Here's your takeaway this morning. It says, commit. Now listen, this is important. It is a commitment. I've, I'll, let me read it to you and then I'll share a couple of thoughts. Commit to make, each, make time each day this week, both individually and listen, as a family as well, to count your blessings from God and thank Him for who He is, what He's done, what He's doing, and what He will do. Now listen, how many of you, I don't know if this is a family tradition in your house, but on Thanksgiving Day, sometimes we sit around the table and what do we do? We ask one person to tell everybody else something that they're what? That they're thankful for. And that's a great tradition. I hope some of you do that. 
But why don't we just do it on Thanksgiving Day? You see, this would be something that would be, should be part of our lives daily and our family's lives daily or weekly, where we just sit down as a family and we say, okay, let's just go around and let's just tell God how thankful we are for who He is and what He's done and what He's doing and what He will do in our life. But you've got to make a commitment to do that. And listen, when we do that, guess what happens? We get the opportunity to bless the one true God. Did you ever think about blessing God? We always think about Him blessing us. Did you know we can bless Him? So as a church family today, in the spirit of thanksgiving, let's learn to bless God together. So what I want to do is just spend a time in prayer. And then in just a few few moments, we're going to enter into our time of communion as we observe the Lord's Supper together. And I think Russ Bingham will have an opportunity to lead you a little bit more in that. Um, But what a great opportunity this morning for us to observe the Lord's table and acknowledge who Jesus Christ is and what he's done for us through the cross. So let's pray together this morning. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for who you are, that there is no other God before you. You are the one true and living God. And all of your attributes, your nature, your character, God, may we dwell on those things daily being able to give you thanks for who you are. Father, I thank you for what you have done. Just being so gracious and so merciful and so patient. Lord, just redeeming us from sin, giving us a church family, God. Thank you for your presence in our life, even today. Even right now, your presence here in this place. And Father, we thank you for what you will do and what you have promised to do. Because we know that every promise will be fulfilled that you have made to us. And until that day, Lord... Help us to have grateful hearts. Help us to be people of thanksgiving as we learn to live a life of gratitude before you. Lord, we love you and praise you and pray all these things in the wonderful name of Jesus and all God's people said.